Welcome back to the Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I'm your host, Eric. With me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Hey, ladies. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Trans Talk for Men Podcast, the show all about trans attractions and trans relationships. And my name is the Lioness, and as always, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Aeon. Hey, y'all. Wow, we are uh, all sorts of dumb. I love it. Um, <laughs> so uh, I just want to get this kicked off real quick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lioness. Welcome, Aeon, to this very special combo show. First time ever in TTFM history, and I assume in box number 512 history. Now, I've listened to some of your stuff, and I didn't hear it, but if you consider some of your other shows combo shows, uh, please correct me on that. How are you ladies doing? Um, I'm going first, Lioness. Oh, I'm phenomenal. Dipped, smothered, and battered in the abundance of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. No, you're, <laughs> you're smothered and battered, but the yes. next step to that is being fried to make it delicious. Well, you have to bring me the heat first. Oh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. Chris, I'm leaving that one to you. She sounds, she sounds ready for that heat, my friend. You are the single, you are the single dog here, so. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, I'm actually not single either, purely joking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking shit or whatever, you know, I fall back into it every now and again. Yeah, man would be waiting for me in the parking lot. I'm I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'll come to get you. So, um, like I said, thank you ladies for joining us. Uh, Got a super fun show. You want to lay down for the guys what we're talking about? Guys and girls, what we're talking about. Um, Brianna. Um, so today we wanted to do a combination show. We are definitely going to have a main topic that really speaks to relationships, uh, interpersonal relationships between trans women and trans amorous men. We're definitely going to talk about, uh, transactional, transactional interactions, um, in those types of relationships and how, uh, one can evolve um, from transactional um, interactions to more of equitable interactions, especially for trans amorous men who are interested in pursuing trans women for serious, healthy, long-term relationships. So we're really going to take the time to really unpack what does what does what does a transactional interaction mean? How did we get there, and how can we really evolve so we can really have mutually beneficial relationships on both sides between trans amorous men and trans women. So we're definitely going to take the time to unpack that. But before we get to that, we definitely want to um, ask some questions and just open the conversation up before we just get to it. So absolutely. <laughs> so so have at it, ladies. Let's 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 open it up. Let's get those questions rolling. I want to I want to hear what you guys got for us. Well, actually, you guys are supposed to start off with the oh, first yeah. light question. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I yeah. I misread question. the script. Chris, don't do not do that to me. Don't make me misread <laughs> the script. I'm blaming it on you, man. Um, so, Chris, lay it on them. Let's give them their question. All right. So, this is something we ask all the guests that visit the Trans Talk for Men podcast. Um, ladies, if there was a movie made about you, who would you select to play you? Well, I'll, this is Aeon. I guess I will answer this first. 
Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I really don't think we. There is somebody that could play me. <laughs> I really no, and I I don't say that to be uh, facetious or anything like that. But I just don't because my identity is so much a part of my story. How I move through the world as a larger, dark skin. Um, black trans woman i really don't um i really don't think that that talent is there yet but um if we had if we had to if we had if we had to pick somebody and i think the person i'm going to pick is controversial or would be controversial for me but i think they could fully represent the complexity and nuance of my story i would have to pick alex newell um Though, I don't know if Alex identifies as trans. I Alex is definitely gender non-conforming. But Alex is, Alex can sing. Alex is heavyset. Alex is dark-skinned. And I really feel like as an actor, mm-hmm. Alex is somebody that could really um, speak to my narrative and really um, embody what I represent in this life. So I would... I would ha- I, and I know it's a controversial choice because it's like, well, re- what is Alex's gender? What is that? But I, for me, it's really important that um, I don't get Nina Simone and I really get somebody that really can capture the <laughs> true essence of what... I, I'm sorry, girl. I don't want... I, I just watched something on that Nina Simone biopic and it's just like, girl, I don't want that to be me. I just don't want that to be me, Miss Lang. I don't. Didn't it make... Was that... I said, didn't it make you itch? It made me itch too. <laughs> I think the thing that made me itch more is the fact that Zoe Zaldana, like, really. That's what was, made me itch. That she was, was really being part. oblivious to why it was problematic for her to take on that role and for her to not recognize that colorism played a part in why she was able to get that role Ooh. over other people. Yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that is out of my depth. I have no that idea what documentary. Fire. You guys are talking about. Um, well, well, just to give it some background. So, Nina Simone is a very famous um, black singer from the Civil Rights Movement. You do know who movement. Nina Simone is, correct? Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know there was a documentary. No, no, no. It was a it was a biopic that was done like oh, about five or six years ago, where they picked a a light skinned Dominican woman to Named portray. Zoe Saldana. Yeah, to portray her. Zoe Zaldana looks nothing like Nina Simone. They had to, they put basically put Zoe Zaldana in blackface, put a prosthetic nose on her, put an afro wig on her, and she looked odd the entire movie. And it was a big backlash from casting her, even from Nina Simone Estate, because part of Nina Simone, who she represented, she talked about her dark skin and her music. She talked about her big nose, and she and also talked about how hard it was for her as a dark skin woman to be able to to navigate in Hollywood. And so for them, right. for Hollywood to do, and she actually ended up losing money because of losing money and losing bookings, and only able to work overseas because of her connection to the civil rights movement. She was ostracized. So mm. then now here we, you have all these years later, you find the least black black woman that you can physically find, and then put her in the darkest makeup and find a wide nose and put a wide nose on her as if you can't find beautiful dark-skinned women as if they're not a whole world full of actresses that don't get work who exactly look like Nina Simone <laughs> well I, I you know see that that strikes me as humorous not because of the whitewashing 
of what Wally, uh, what Hollywood does to people. That, of course, isn't humorous. But the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about how uh, they they put this uh, lighter skinned girl with you know they had to do all of her makeup and whatever. The first thing that pops to my head is well they might as well have just casted John Travolta to do his thing in hairspray. Okay. Right, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly, exactly. And no, John Travolta probably would have did a better job than she did if you want. Well, I mean, you, if we're you being transparent. <laughs> okay, so. Um, but anyway, um, that was just a question response, Brianna. Um, did you finish your thought? Yeah, I'm finished. I'm finished. Okay. All right, the lioness. Let's hear it. Well, you know. I had a few people, and then she mentioned um, that she was looking for someone that maybe could, because as a trans person, it's very important that the person that play you at maybe can even speak to that experience, kind of what we were talking about. Um, so I'm going to say Brianna Jenkins, and um, here's why. Me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. She's going to She's going to play herself and you? That's Google right there. <laughs> Well, you know, she, she said she was a thespian. I really wanted to see where she could go with this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's money in the bank right there. But no, no, no. Um, I actually would. So it's, it's, it's almost kind of odd for me to say this because I would like to play them. But Cheryl Lee Ralph is someone that I would like to play me. Mm. And then if, and the younger me, I would like to be played by Tika Sumter. Mmm. Yeah. <laughs> Not older you and younger you, bitch. Work. Oh no, Cheryl can't <laughs> I, well, do younger. I, 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 I like. We've, I, we've never had the answer of younger and older me. I love that you've got the whole span. You're like, we're going whole. We're going all life. So who's gonna play the older you? Is the question. The oldest me? Yeah, oh, that's Cicely you. Tyson. Oh, I was just about to say Cicely uh, Tyson, bitch. Work. <laughs> Cicely Tyson will definitely pay me when I'm 90. But this 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 story that we're coming out won't be until I'm old anyway. So it'll be able to showcase the three women. Okay, good. I mean, yeah. we just we want to get as many actresses as we can. That's you know, um, that's the bottom line. <laughs> that's right. That's we're right. just trying to get people work. That's what we do on this show. Um, <laughs> all right, girls. Uh, thanks for thanks for answering that. Now I do believe you have a question for us. If I if it's your turn, if I haven't gotten the order wrong again, um, made a fool of myself twice. <laughs> No, no, you didn't make a fool of yourself the first time, and it is us, Brianna. Um, I think I w was. Were we going to start with the nice question? No, no, no. The, the question. That's all you. Um, oh, it that's was all me. So there's yeah, just one question, you. and it's not necessarily mean, but it's actually nice in. But it's actually intense, and so I would like for both of you guys to, um, to talk about this. So, um, first, we are interested in having a podcast that centers a conversation around black trans voices. And it's important to do that and to have our allies on to support us. But we wanna make sure that anybody that comes on our show has is able to articulate what exactly um, you think your place is as an ally. So my question to both of you is, um, what do you think you do, what do you do now to be do, what, do, what do, are you now doing to be a better ally for black trans women? And if you think that there's room for improvement, what is your strategy to be better in showing up for us in the future? That is, uh, that is a deep question. Chris, if you don't mind, I'll field this one right quick. Go for it, man. All right. So I'm going I'm to break this down into two parts. Uh, what am I doing as a trans ally? What's my role as a trans ally? Um, I want to break that. I get that. I was specific in saying black trans. 
that line. And, and I say black trans because we are a group that we were speaking for that community and we want to know, do you consider yourself an ally to us? As well? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, so I can, I can definitely do that. Um, put that one together. So, um, do I consider myself an ally to black trans women? Absolutely. Uh, I hope to be as best an ally to the black trans community as best as I possibly can. Now, I am a white male, and I grew up in a very rural town. Um, and what I mean by that is that there was not a whole lot of diversity in where I grew up. So I strive to be as best an ally as I can with the limited knowledge and experience that I have. Now, the part of the question that resonates more with me is, what can I do to grow as an ally, uh, which is, what can I not do to grow as an ally? It is simply my job to keep my ears open and continue to learn and understand that a community that is different than mine uh, has a lot to teach me, and I can be there to support this community as best as I possibly can. And I can also hopefully use the status that society has afforded me as a white cis male um, to assist really our black trans sisters and brothers in whatever they might need. So I would consider my role specifically to be one of support, support and learning um, as best as I possibly can and to share whatever benefits I've been afforded by society with those who have not been afforded those same benefits. Thank you for sharing that. Chris, did you have anything to add? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I would say, well, I mean, I, I would I would call myself an ally, um, just being a black man that is attracted to trans women. And, Wait, Chris, um, you're black? I know. No. <laughs> it's a revelation. Uh, so I would say um, I'm always looking for more. I'm, I'm always looking for new ways to be an advocate and get the message out there and help normalize relationships between um, cis men and black trans women. And, um, you know, outside of doing the show, you know, I'm part of the we're part of a Facebook group that, you know, mostly is populated by black uh, cis men that are attracted to trans women. And, you know, I even talked to a lot of guys who are, you know, fairly new in their attraction and really trying to sort things out for themselves. Um, so, you know, I definitely help out on, on that point because, you know, the more educated we get a lot of these young guys, you know, the more lives we can save. Um, but, uh, I actually am interested. One thing that I could do that I, I'm thinking about doing is, um, you know, doing like a YouTube series. And I really just want to get more stories out there. And um, I mean, just the more we get the message out there and broadcast it out there to the masses, um, you know, the better things will be. And, you know, hopefully one day we can completely eliminate uh, whatever stigma the black community puts on cis men um, for dating trans women black trans women thank you so much for you guys' response and uh, um, I know that that was one of those things and very early in a conversation that could be very deep and I do want this to be a light conversation we um, Brianna and I both are, are committed to having a good conversation with you guys but I wanted to start that out because I feel like sometimes in, in navigating in community 
our men play a tertiary role. And it is still supportive in the sense that you're supportive to me as an individual. But I would love, but part of this conversation and why I'm excited that you guys are here with us today is because this to me is being an ally. It's it's also engaging with others in community and getting to know the framework around the women that you like, not just the individual that you like. So thank you so much guys. Right, right. Certainly. We, we, we certainly we try, try our try damnedest. damnedest. Um, <laughs> now, no, that doesn't mean that I don't always fall on my face, because I do, but that, 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 I, I, I certainly give it my all. Now, now Chris, Chris is always, is always, always, always the gentleman and always, always perfect, 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 so there's no, there's no worries about Perfect. That. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, uh, you are. Miss, Miss Aeon knows. <laughs> I, 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 got my, I got my own struggles, man. I got my own struggles. But, you know, it's really just talking it through and just, you know, and and this goes to what I made a point of, of in the previous episodes on the Trash Talk for Men podcast. I think it's just best that, you know, a lot of guys out here really, they're, they don't uh, fanatically search for relationships. I think build or search for romantic relationships. I think building platonic friendships with um, a lot of women in the community is, is definitely the route to go because, you know, you'll have... Obviously, you'll get, you'll gain, you'll learn so much more, and then you'll also have people to bounce ideas off of. And you know, a lot of times we, we as men, we got to check ourselves. Like you know, we we fired up and we thinking things are one way, and we check with our friend. Like, okay, yeah, I was wrong. So I mean, yeah, that's, that, it's really yeah, important. And that, that could be, and it's it's not just friendships. It's I mean, of course, friendships play a huge role in it, but it's connections. It's connections with the community. It's understanding with the community. It's it's entrenching yourself in however you can do that the best you can to learn it's about being open to learning and sharing an experience that wasn't always yours but might be somebody else's I think it is you hear that fellas yeah. learn. Learn. learn 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 fellas it's good Involve. to be school is not out school is in <laughs> now I have a question for you gentlemen and this is interesting because I think this is this is just just something that came up as you were asking. So you talked about this evolution and how you know, like even in you being allies, you know, you sometimes fall on your face. You sometimes make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us um, in this journey? Because you guys have been doing this a while, and we're newer to the game. In this journey, what were some mistakes that you made, or is there a conversation or something that you now listen back on and it's kind of cringeworthy? And how do you handle that as 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 Thought leaders, right? Like you're taking this position, you're speaking, you're, the name of your show is Trans Talk for Men. So like mm-hmm. listening back to some of your episodes now that you have evolved, how do you, how do you, how do you think that you've evolved if you have? And if so, how do you feel when you hear those episodes? Good question, good question sis. Good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris, you want to, you want to Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely ready for this one. Um, oh, so um, yeah, there, I, I will say there are some, I do feel that way, uh, you know, sometimes when I feel, when I listen to some of the older shows. But, you know, I, I would say in the long run, our show has, um, you know, when it started, it was mainly, you know, to have guy talk, locker room talk. Like, you know, how, however we talk, you know, while in private, we want to just be out there, be live and be ourselves and, you know, fuck everybody else's judgment, whatever else. And, um, you know, we really came to realize that we, being doing the show you know we're a part of a community and um you know we had to be a lot more respectful and and attentive to the community itself and um 
So, you know, we really, you know, changed gears from, uh, let's just say, having more conversations about women and their bodies, maybe, and more conversations about advocacy and things that guys can do to help. And we've, you know, definitely advocacy has been uh, something that is a part of the show now that was not um, considered initially at all. And yeah. I have the, I, I want really quickly, one more thing. I've gone as far as to all, all out apologize uh, for any comments, for, for actually specific comments I made towards uh, certain people um, that are public figures. Um and trans, so um, I mean, yeah, it's I, I'm not above apologizing and you know being called out for saying certain things here and there. So I I, I have definitely reevaluated some things and I've come back and say, hey, I was wrong. I, I, I gloved up and uh, won't happen again. And I apologize to you know this individual. Thanks for uh, being your honesty there, Eric. Did you have anything? Oh yeah, well I was going to say that the show was. Like, like Chris said, the show started originally with more locker talk, and I think what it was was when we, when we started the show, it was advocacy before we knew it was advocacy. And what I mean about that is, looking back on it now, it was always to reach these fellow trans amorous men uh, and speak to them and speak truth to their experience and speak truth to what's going on and really encourage them to come out, but it wasn't in the advocacy role that we had thought it was at the time, it was simply, we just want to, like Chris said, we want to talk and we want to be real, and we realized that, holy shit, this is, this is advocacy, and we really have to shift this more towards being advocates for this, being advocates for the trans community, being a supportive role, and really putting our, our backing into, into that position. So it was, it was a sort of, we took... I don't want to say the wrong turn, just a different turn at the beginning than we have taken in our later episodes that we've taken now. And it took a, it took us some time to learn, but I think that's... And of course, as Chris said, we're not above saying that we made a mistake in the past show or that our opinions have changed or that we've learned something new or that something has come to light or we realize this or that. And it's it's not any of that. It's simply... I see it as how we charted our path and how we've gone through and learned so much throughout the year that we've been doing this. And um, hopefully we continue to use that background to to get better. So is it embarrassing some of the old stuff? Yeah, sure. But am I going to forsake it? No, because it helps. Those are the building blocks that we're working on now to make the foundation for something even greater. And I think a lot of our older topics are still very valid talking points. You know, we talked about chasers and certainly talked about, you know, just the stuff we were seeing on Twitter, you know, chicks being size queens. And we're like, OK, well, we got regular size ones like you're going to dump us to the side because we're not packing a 10 inch. Like, My dick is average. <laughs> and let me on? also <laughs> say guys are size size kings, too. Oh, there are other. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's oh, talk about it. If You're you right. want, we could talk about that. I don't care. But there are definitely guys that are size kings. But when, when we focused on it, of course, you know, being a show for men, we were specifically talking about, you know, why do the women say, oh, you need this or that? And we took it from that perspective. But that's not to say that. And see, that's the thing, is that we've learned since then that it isn't a one-way road either direction. 
True. So. Mm. Well, I, well, let me say, just from listening to your show, because I just, after, it's funny, after um, Lioness and I um, started the podcast, it was, it's very funny how the universe works, how there was already this community of podcasts and this community of thought leaders in this specific area of community that I was able to come across, and I definitely came across your guys' podcast, but... I, I like the fact that there's been an evolution from episode one to your episode now because that that's how life works. We start at one point, then we um, get exposed to different people, we get exposed to different ideas, and we and we start to think about things from different perspectives. So I think um, I, I think it's admirable that you can. Um, openly say, hey, I made a mistake or hey, I didn't consider this. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to and not necessarily be a better person because you never you necessarily weren't a bad person when you had those thoughts. You were just at that stage of your life or your development. But it's just been refreshing to see as you've come in contact with more people from community, how you've been able to evolve been able to grow, still been able to keep your truth because I think that's important because we don't want folks to get too PC because I think that's a problem because then you are trying to avoid controversy but you're not really being truthful about how you feel. But as a listener, it's just really been great for to see you um, evolve and to see you step your game up because, you know, that's what's needed to maintain longevity. And even on our podcast... Um, I think um, Lioness and I, we stress that these perspectives, we are not authorities on these topics that we talk about, but we are just speaking from our point of view and our life experience. And should we ever have a situation that is offensive, it's something that I'm willing to apologize about it, about, but more than that, it's something that I'm really willing to talk about and unpack and, and engage people instead of, you know, engaging in cancel culture and just um, um, killing the conversation. Because I really feel like it's the conversations that really get us to open up and see the humanity in each other's experiences. Yeah, and to potentially grow from that experience is what I hear you saying. And I wanted to say that I know that we appreciate, you know, you were saying the show has evolved from episode one to episode 24. And it's it's, it's that appreciation for people who listen to that and give it the chance to evolve that really helps us evolve as well. Because those of us, those who listen to episode two and don't listen to episode 22... And they go, nope, it's the same. It's the same episode all twenty times. Nothing's changed. And, you know that's unfortunate because it never gets. They never give it that chance to see yeah. that things. We get our biggest problems from the one episode listeners. Yeah, those yeah, are that, the ones those that are, are in their inbox. Like those are definitely our, our biggest trouble. I imagine you girls have that same issue where it's like, hey, yeah. you said this on this one episode. Mm-hmm. Already, we've had people that are like that will zero in because you know people that. People that want to be mad are going to be mad. And there's nothing you're going to be able to say to assuage certain people, especially those nitpicking people that are going to, like, find the one soundbite on the one clip 
where you said something that may out of context sound completely horrible and then they'll be like oh cancel them they're horrible and it's like wait so you didn't listen to the other hour and a half of that conversation to see what I might have been trying to say nor are you investing in my podcast enough to know me as a person so you just have to kind of at a certain point be like you know I'm gonna just let sleeping dogs lie and I'm sorry if I offended anyone in the ethos, but I don't really care enough <laughs> to like really get invested in everyone's opinion. Well, see, that's actually Preach. what I did before before doing this joint show is I went through your guys' podcast and I just spliced out fuck white people on different shows and I'm like, oh my god, you know, I went these these <laughs> ladies. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, of course. Um, and, yeah. I, I, and I also think our podcast is provocative in nature, but I don't, we're not provocative in an inflammatory way. I believe that, in this, at least my intention, that we're provocative because we're bringing a different point of view to the table that nobody even thinks about or nobody even cares about. Um, and it, it's necessary, and I think... Lioness and myself, we both know that a lot of these um, conversations are uncomfortable. Hell, they're even uncomfortable for us to talk about. And we have some episodes coming up that's really going to um, make us go there. But these conversations are so necessary because we are more than the stereotype that cis people try to create of our lives. And um, we're more than a stereotype that... Um, certain trans folks and power that um, subscribe to cisness try to promote of who we are. So we definitely know our lane and we, we stand uh, full in it because we know our end goal is to bring um, deeper conversations to the forefront, concern, particularly concerning um, the lives of black trans women who are aging and thriving. I hear that. I mean, I think one of the best reactions you can get is a person sitting there listening and going, Huh. You know, I think that I think that is a perfect encapsulation of a reaction. Someone who is it's hit them upside the head and they go, Huh, I never thought of that. So you know. but All right, well we are at the thirty minute mark here. So what I wanna do sorry, I'm a I'm a I'm a lull us right into our topic by continuing a conversation from the last episode of the Trans Talk for Men podcast on that. On our last episode, we were talking about um, trans amorous men who are sex work clients. And the question was, you know, can any of these guys ever be taken seriously in the community as advocates for trans women if they are paying for sex with trans women? So we had a really great conversation about this, and I really wanted to bring you ladies in on this to get your perspective, because we were definitely missing the, the, the woman's point of view on this. Yeah. So I'm let's, excited. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about, uh, just to reiterate what Chris said, let's talk about guys named John. That's, that's what it is, right? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so, um, yeah, ladies, definitely take it away. Lioness you, Lioness, you start first, sis. Oh, you know, you're being very gracious to me, this podcast, girl. I love <laughs> um, so, um, I think that Brianna and I are going to have possibly different perspectives on that, and that's exciting because 
Um, even as black trans women, we got to understand and, you know, we want the world to understand that we are unique and diverse in our perspectives because we're all as unique as snowflakes. So um, I feel that you can. I believe wholeheartedly in the support of the men that are actually doing sex work the right way, meaning there are women in our community that for their own personal choices, which is no one else's business, have decided to engage in sex work. And sex work requires that there be a man named John. Let <laughs> <laughs> me just keeping it transparent. I love it. <laughs> and this man named John um, is engaging in what is, what, what is considered commerce in my mind. And so as long as you engage in the rules of commerce in a way that is responsible, healthy, and safe for all that are involved, I think that they are exceptional helps to community. I know many, many trans people that that is the strategy that allowed them to be the beautiful creatures that they are today. And they do not regret one second of having had that experience. Now, that being said, do all the men named John behave appropriately? No. And so I do believe that while men do contribute to the economy of our community and that they are assets and the ones that do it right, the ones that treat us like human beings, the ones that have their money on time up front, the ones that aren't making it an issue for us to, to, for our safety, for us to do what we do, those men should be applauded and those men are assets to the community. And I don't think that they have to do more, but there are men that are in engaging with community and they're doing it in an improper way. They may be putting trans women in situations where they're not being honest about their background and what's going on. So now this woman is involved in a scandal. They may be doing things that make it violent towards her or making her feel threatened and that's not cool. They may be fucking coming up short and that's never okay. Um, so I, I, I see that men do have an, an, an uh, um, a responsibility, but I don't think it's it, for the men that are doing it right. I don't think you have to do much more for the men that are doing it wrong. I think you are a blight on our community. And I think that a lot of girls are in very dangerous situations, oftentimes for men who refuse to just engage in just being the golden rule, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I do think that it would be nice. And this is why I say it's not something that I think is required of the men that engage with us who, who do it the right way. It would be nice if they also didn't stigmatize it, if they also voted in our interest, if they also weren't just fucking Republicans. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it, it would be nice if they weren't that you know, voting that against our interest in life. It would be nice if they weren't voting against our interest in life and really, like, making it hard while still paying us for sex. That would be nice if you weren't a fucking asshole about it. But I don't think just the average guy engaging with trans women, if he's doing it the right way and he's and they have an agreement between two adults and he's meeting every part of that, I don't mm -hmm. think that he's doing anything wrong. And that's my opinion. So he can be like out there. He, so you wouldn't have a problem with this guy being at the March on D.C. or even speaking up at around that would be fucking right, amazing right. if he would do that that would be fucking amazing okay. but i don't want to put that responsibility on them to have to do it mm -hmm. i think that if they are doing what we've two as two adults agreed to do and you're doing it professionally and responsibly i don't really think that it, you you have to do more if you're paying me my funds 
However, it would be nice if you could. But I, what I don't want is for men to then, okay, because I'm paying you money, I can vote against you in your interest. I can talk bad about trans people or be transphobic in my day to day. Now that's a problem. So, so Aon, if, if I can, if jump, I can in jump in before you get into this, this um, I want to say that it sounds, sounds to me, Linus, that what you're what saying, saying is, is a lot of it is simple respect, respect yes. for what is what taking is place and respect, respect for the transactional na uh, nature of it, but also respect for the person and their dignity in this situation. And it goes, and it sounds like it goes well beyond the bedroom transaction. And you're saying that it doesn't have to go visibly beyond the bedroom transaction, but it has to go on emotionally and spiritually beyond that uh, bedroom transaction in that you should vote in our interest you should vote in our favor you should vote to keep this thing that you clearly enjoy in in a healthy state um, and what I mean by this thing I mean that's an excellent encapsulation of what I'm saying keep the sex relationship yeah that, well that's just I, 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 I'm not trying to talk over or rewrite what you were saying but what I what what strikes me about it is is I hear over and over, respect, respect, respect. No, that was excellent. Thank you so much. You actually, I, it feels good to share something and then for somebody to immediately repeat back what you said and you, and you immediately, and you got everything that I was trying to say out of it. So thank you. Mm. And, let, and, let me, and let me jump in. Sis, I don't think we have different opinions on this issue. Yes, you do. I, no, 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 yes, no. I feel, I feel like we are <laughs> two sides of the same coin. I because my position is also about the intent of the the person's allyship. Let me start by saying I am pro sex worker. Um, I feel like it should be decriminalized and legalized. I don't feel like I sh that, that sex work should be regulated because the government, I just don't feel like government has a place in it. And if government gets involved, then all of the isms and phobias then comes into the regulation of sex work. So I'm definitely um, pro decriminalization, pro legalization of sex work. Um, but I, I do I, do I think that uh somebody that perch that um engages with women in a sex work um, nature can be an ally? Yes, I can, but I I'm always questioning intent and the specific question that comes to mind for me is would that person still be an ally if that I, that ally should mean meant that that trans person who's in sex worker could be liberated to the point where they no longer had to do the sex work and they would be on the same pl um, playing field um, economically, legally, professionally as the man that is trying, is the, the, man, the very man that's trying to engage them in sex work. Um, I just, you know, just knowing people and just knowing humanity, I feel like, I feel like people only want marginalized people to get free, but only to a point where it doesn't challenge their own privilege and it doesn't make their own um, life situation uncomfortable. And I just feel like, I just, I just feel like we can't bury our heads in the sand. Though you can um, voluntarily choose to go into sex work, I don't think we should be fools to say that Every trans woman that's in sex work um, 
is there by choice. I think we can't ignore the fact that there are a lot of life situations and circumstances that um, that makes it more likely for all of us to engage in sex work. So I just want um, people to be mindful that though it is a choice, there are a lot of people that are just doing it um, to survive. So if you're, if you really are intentional in being an ally, I think you should go in, um, knowing that it's more than giving people the right to do sex work. It's also about giving the people the right not to do sex work if they don't want to. Cause I've come across so many men that are comfortable with me engaging in sex work, but they're not comfortable with me being a, a co-worker or employee of their organization. So I just kind of want to bring that perspective in. If we're, if we're, if these men are really going to be allies, that must also include liberating um, trans women so that they also have the option not to do it if they don't want to. And they also have the right to be systemically supported if they make that choice and still be desirable that these men uh, by these men who are paying for their services. So I think I just wanted to bring that perspective in. Yeah, and they say that equality to the powerful feels like oppression, and that's what I hear there is um, that those who are in the positions, if they were to say, yeah, I like you in your, in your lower societal state than me, in your lower class than me, but if I were to bring you up to a class with me, what would that say about me what does that say about who i am how, how does that affect my life so i hear what you're saying which is focus more on if you're an ally you can partake in sex work but be do so truthfully in that your your end goal is the well-being of this woman yeah well yeah whether she's in sex work or whether she's not in sex work like don't and I think th like this leads into our larger conversation about the transactional versus equitable relationships because a lot of times men men first encounter trans women in these um, sexual um, environments whether it be sex work whether it be pornography and they don't really have the skills to evolve from that transaction. So these things don't just happen, happen in a vacuum. If you, if you're engaging me like a trick, you're also going to bring that trick like energy to a relationship with a trans woman. And we're going to unpack that later. But to me, all of these things, all of these things are connected. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris, jump in here. Cause I'm tired of running my maw about it. So, <laughs> No, no, I just really wanted to get, you know, uh, the lady's opinion on this because, you know, what, what I typically have, what I've been seeing <clears throat> is, you know, just I've been seeing a lot of trans women have a certain dismissive, negative attitude towards guys that are their, that are clients of another trans woman or themselves. And, you know, they're just like, oh, well, they, he's just like, they just call him, oh, he's just a client. Um. And I'm, I've actually heard that, you know, uh, uh, for for in, in response to our show, I, I went and, and dropped a, a link to our show and told everybody about it in a, a Houston transcript that I'm in. And one of the ladies like, oh, he sounds like my, they, they sound like just like my clients. And I'm like, okay, well, your clients are guys, so they probably do sound like us. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what you, what you want, but it's, it's just like, it's, it's kind of, um, 
it's, it's just really kind of like being dismissed as, you know, a chaser or whatever else. And, you know, I have somebody in my life who does take part uh, in sex work or he's a client. He pays a trans woman for sex. And I'm just like, this is a young dude I care about. And I, I would love for him to elevate and, and, and be somebody that people can look up to and, and, and a role model for somebody else. But I don't want somebody to look back in his history and say, oh, well, he used to, he used to pay women for sex and now he's now he nobody can take him seriously. Like he's instantly invalidated. So I was really worried about that. And that's how we really came to this conversation. And, and um, Lioness, I'm going to let you speak. I, can, I feel on your spirit you want to jump in. But I just want to say that these conversations are, like, new. They're new. So I think we have to open ourselves to the idea that a lot of, like, problematic things are initially going to be said on both ends. But this is a conversation. Unfortunately, this is a conversation that a lot of skeletons are just going to have to fall out of the closet. And we are really going to have to talk through some of these things and work through some of these things. I know that we on um, Box Summer Pops 12, we are more than up for doing a conversation. But I feel like because everybody is... Because we're in this area that we are now in transgender visibility, everybody's trying to present this polished PC image of them, themselves, and we're not really unpacking our skeletons from the trans feminine perspective or from the trans amorous men perspective, and we're really not getting to the root of why there's issues. Um, and that's what causes this confusion. That's what causes us to project um, these things onto each other. So it is my hope with this conversation and with our respective podcasts that it, it really re- leads to more meaningful conversations so that when as more... Because trans amorous men are going to come become more and more visible and we as trans women it's just nothing we can do about it. What we can do now is really set the stage for or and model how these conversations should go so that we're not re-traumatizing each other and we're not um, triggering each other. Um, Lioness, did you want to jump in? Maybe. Hello? <laughs> I don't know. Lioness, you here with us? Did we lose you for a second? And maybe she's taking a dump. Um. <laughs> you there? You there? Hello. That's okay. We can wait for her to we can wait for her to pop back in. But um, what I what I liked about what you were saying was uh, um, it's a new conversation, and it's a new conversation for both the men and the women involved in this. In that we haven't tackled this conversation together yet. There may have been there may have been some sort of conversation amongst our separate groups. But it's something that needs to be brought together to really talk about. And I think that I think that you're right, that we have to avoid not all of the PCness, because of course we don't uh of course we don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that, but we do want to we do wanna speak uh to our truth. Lioness, what's uh what's happening? What's what's on your mind? Let's let's hear it. I don't think uh, she's with us right now, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna figure this uh, little technical glitch out. Yeah. But um, you know what? What we're gonna do is uh, why don't we just segue into our 
overall, you know, bigger overarching topic and uh, Aeon, you could really help me paint the picture for everybody. Um, I got my brushes. <laughs> so do, the topic we're... really is, uh, you know, just evolving relationships, you know, from transactional partnerships to equitable partnerships, um, you know, involving trans amorous men and trans women or trans femmes. Um, because, you know, we were talking about how things start off in the sex, sex, sex work industry. And then also, you know, a lot of guys start, start out from, uh, you know, porn and it's all just like, it's all starting out from like money being spent somewhere and then they get into it and then they, you know, the, the guys, they don't really, I don't even know. They don't a hundred percent evolve into like, Hey, I should actually have a loving regular relationship with this person. And, um, wait, okay. Yeah, it's all right. So, I'm <laughs> sorry. Technical glitches here, guys. So, um, Aeon, could you help me, help me, um, because I know you got the words. <laughs> I just don't. She's got the words. She's got the power. See, I'm, yeah. I'm over here drawing the happy little transaction, the happy little equity with my brushes, painting the picture, but <laughs> we need the words. We don't need just Brianna. the picture. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sorry, we're having uh, issues with uh, Lioness here. She is going to uh, join us here in a second. She'll be back. Um, let's get let's get Aeon to, to to preach at us. Let's let's hear what let's hear what she's got to say. Bree, Bree, did we lose another one? I don't know. I don't know what is going on. Sorry, right sorry, now. my sorry, my mic was muted. Sorry. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're like oh no, we lost everybody. We always do this. Um, no. So, so we wanted to. So we wanted to have this conversation. Hey, hey, oh, yay. Yay. Oh, welcome back. Oh, I was in the wilderness all alone. Is she back? Yeah, she's back. Yeah, she's back. I thought she was taking a poop. No, I could um. hear you the entire time. <laughs> okay. Well, sis, I want you to come on and introduce because I feel like you'll be able to introduce it in a way that really gets the emotion of why this topic is important and like the fullness of why. We wanted to talk about this topic on today. Make me, so go make ahead, me feel. Do you know what just happened, guys? So I logged out and logged back in. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. What, what? No, we're, we're, no, we're, we're going into the main. No, 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 no. We're going into the main topic. We're introducing the topic of transactional um, versus equitable partnerships and relationships between trans femmes and trans amorous men. So go ahead, sis. All right. Um... So I was, we were going to say, oh, um, I'm, I'm cold. And so um, I'm going to now push it back to you, Brianna. I don't know. <laughs> okay, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. So, what is going on? So we wanted to have, we wanted to have this conversation because now we're, now we're in a time where there, now there is a pool of trans amorous men who are willing to openly date trans women who are being public and visible with their trans attractions. And they're at the point where they are ready to possibly be in relationships. But a, a problem that still remains and a problem that I've been noticing in my personal interactions with dating men and pursuing relationships with men is that a lot of trans amorous men, first we have to acknowledge that a lot, of a lot of people come into their trans attraction 
through the sex industries, which could include which can include sex work, which can include trans pornography. And let me say that there's nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is. But the problem that happens a lot of times is when you engage trans women specifically in those sex industries, you engage them in a way which is transactional, where I'm where transactional in a way where I I'm compartmentalizing this part of my life to a specific place and a specific time and I'm compartmentalizing it in a way where um, if I was a trans amorous man I only go to that compartment when I want some type of pleasure or when I want some type of satisfaction or when it's convenient for me Um, and it really it could have something to do with money but it's not even about money it's about the way in which we're able to put trans amorous men are able to put their attraction put these trans women on and off the shelf and engage them when it's beneficial for them so what happens go ahead because i want you to unpack it because i have a real i have a question that is going to be very direct to both of them and i want to first you to do the soft you do the you do the softness and i come in with the jab okay 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 cool so what happens is so what happens is once a man comes out of the phase where they they know where it becomes the attraction and the interaction becomes real enough for them that they want to pursue trans women in the real world they want to date trans women they want to partner and be in relationship with trans women what happens a lot of time is the residue from how they first interacted with trans women it it travels over to this new area of life and oftentimes what ends up happening is a trans amorous man will be in a, a full-fledged situationship or relationship or a dating scenario with a trans woman but they will still engage the trans woman in a very um detached transactional way where instead of a full-fledged nuanced relationship where we're both sharing the fullness of who we are with each other at least from my perspective um in engagement who date transactionally it's like a series of stolen moments it's a series of so i never get i never get the full essence the good and the bad of who you are in those short stolen moments you're you're giving me the perfect polished parts of yourself but I never get anything more than that. You only reach out to me or you only call me when you want something. You only reach out or call call on me when it's convenient for you. And then you step away with no rhyme or reason and then you pop back up and you act as if everything is supposed my life is supposed to freeze and everything is supposed to be the same and I'm not supposed to have any negative um, feelings about you abandoning me and what the solution of this conversation is getting men to recognize that they are engaging in a transactional way with trans femmes or trans folks um how problematic that is and how if if the goal for trans amorous men is to be in long-term full-fledged relationships with um, trans women in particular that it requires a level of accountability where these men are evolving from how they used to engage with trans women into um, more equitable behaviors so that they are coming to relationships um, 
ready to share and reveal full parts of themselves to their partners. Because a lot of times, trans women, we are overextending ourselves to these men and getting nothing in return. So I'm going to turn it over yes. to you. Yes. And so this that was a wonderful thank you, sis, for really kind of encapsulating the intention behind this conversation and really what we've observed in our own personal experience with the transactional way in which some of the men we engage still treat us even after they say they want to date us. I would like to now bounce it to you fellas with this with this thought. So I um, have an hypothesis and my hypothesis is that beca because a lot of men have had to really as a strategy of survival compartmentalize their engagement with us, whether it be not necessarily even out of shame, but just out of like, I, it's, it's not, we're not the most um, open, we're not the most um, easy community to reach, so you're gonna have to be specific in the way you reach out to us, and that can lead to you inadvertently compartmentalizing that relationship. And my hypothesis is, is that there is a learning curve that has to happen for men to transition from engaging with a community that was maybe just a part of their life, right, to now being with an individual and this being a whole person and being forced to not just love her, the individual, but then integrate her into your life and then you being integrated into um, her world as well. Kind of like how, um, if y'all watch the show Pose, how the, the guy took one, went to the club with her that one night and he couldn't handle that life. Yep. And he wanted her, the individual, but he was torn with, with him being a part of this, this larger gay community. And so then being, a tr being trans attracted and then connecting that to now wanting to be transamorous and a date, how is it that you, my question for you gentlemen is, one, have you engaged with trans women in a transactional nature? And what was um and and how was that different than when you engage with them as partners? And if you have engaged with partners, was it was it different? I mean, like if you have, I don't want to assume, but if you have engaged with trans women as partners, how was that different? Uh huh. I'm in your business. I'm in your business. <laughs> Lead off with this one. Uh, well, no, I've never. Um, engage with trans women in a transactional never way. Um, no, 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 I'm never. I mean, I've, I've bought a subscription to a website here and there, but that's about it. Well, that's transactional, but so, it's not quite. Yeah, yeah but I better get yeah. what you're saying. It's not. You never solicited for sex. But hold on, oh, hold on. Right. Let, before before you get into explaining, transactional doesn't necessarily have to mean. You it are. It can include you paying for sex uh -huh. or you exactly. um, going. But I, I'm talking about the behavior of I'm only dealing with this girl when I need to get this need fixed, and then I'm ignoring her and I'm ghosting right. her. Right. So it can and, be transactional be. as if, like, I go on Tinder or I go on Facebook or I'm a part of these Facebook groups or I'm just engaging with the girls on BGC or Black Planet or whatever it was back in the day, and. Uh, 
and you and, and it wasn't necessarily a part of your day-to-day life but you were still engaging and having conversation and maybe even meeting up for sex with women that were that wasn't a part because transactional means when I said well yeah what, what Brianna's saying they're not inco- you, you you had no intention on melding that person into your life at all um, so yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, never had that experience because um, I guess by the time I actually started um, dating trans women and, and all that kind of thing and forming relationships, um, I was already at a point where I wanted this to be my life overall. So, you were always dating with um, intent. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, ain't nobody got, I'm not out here to waste nobody's time. Ain't nobody getting no younger out here. Um, and, and I'm not going to waste my time either. And it's just, uh, no, I've never only used, only went to trans women to get a need met. Um, and then ghost. Um, it's always just been full on public relationships. Because you've never had a one night stand. That, you know, my, my family knows about. And no, I've never had one night stand. Um with the trans woman, all my interactions with trans women in terms of romantic um, have been all relationship based. So I've never had a one night stand or anything like that. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't try because I'm a man. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I used to work at a nightclub and, uh, you know, but it isn't like I was, you know, gunning for it. You know, a lot of the times I really saw myself as an, as an ally and a guardian for our, a lot of the trans women that would come into the club because, you know, I would definitely take their side on a lot of issues. And, you know, they all, all the trans women that came into the club, and this was a massive club, you know, we packed like 2,000 people in there. What, and it's like, what, where, they knew um, if wait, they had a problem. Where, that's my kind of joint. Where's that? <laughs> it was a nightclub called Temple in, in Denver. Um, it was a Vegas style nightclub. I mean, we, uh, we had a security staff of, you know, maybe 35 oh, wow. people, but they all knew. I made all the trans women that came through there, I made made sure that they knew that they could always come to me if they had any problems. But in terms of my relationships, like romantically, I've never had that, like, oh, I'm only going gonna, I'm to I'm hit this one jump off real quick. And, oh, it's 3 a.m. Let me see if this girl's still up. Uh, never had that cool. experience uh, yet. Eric? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so mine's a little bit different in that I would say that I have had transactional experiences with um, trans women, uh, not just via pornography, but a lot of that, especially when I was much younger before I started dating trans women, all of my experiences with trans women was via pornography and therefore, um, as Aeon said, more of a transactional situation where I didn't really know these people. I simply went there to get something where it was almost as if, well, it is as I could put that on pause and only need it when I need it and don't when I don't. But that wasn't to say that I didn't seek trans relationships out. I mean, I didn't for a long time. I denied that I was attracted to trans women for years because it was devastating to me personally and... Uh, affected a lot of my mental health and that is based in a lot of things of toxic masculinity and expectations for what it means to be a man and that's a you know somewhat of a different story but relates to that so I've had transactional relationships in that way and I've also this one's interestingly this one's interesting enough in in the same vein as Chris um, 
for for the women the women how, how to put this how, how to put um, this um it's so like my fiance. It's so like my fiance and I. Uh, we've been together for seven and a half years, and I seek relationships, not one night stands. I don't do one night stands. I've never done one night one night stands. As a matter of fact, I've had sex with not that many people in my entire life. Um, but but I've also had a I've also had a transactional relationship with my fiance involved because we've gone to a trans strip club and she paid for me to get a lap dance from one of the girls so my transactional relationship was a bit different a bit different it was it was she was involved in this she was there for it and she paid for it so it was transactional for the both of us and with the third girl but it was also in a it almost felt like a fun, safe, understanding setting. Like, we're here to respect your business and your work. And also here to have fun ourselves. So this is interesting. You guys um, represent what I, in my experience, I would say, is a minority of men. In that both of you got to a certain place of awareness, whether it be through being in a relationship and you both deciding to make a choice or... You like um, you were saying, Chris. You getting to that place before you ever dated us or began to really engage that you wanted to. Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. That yes. you wanted to continue to engage yep. with trans women. So, I will say, um, you guys, I would consider outliers. And I'm I know that in your connections, and I and I'm sure in your experiences, you've ran across men who have engaged. Um, I think Chris, you even mentioned a friend of yours. With trans women, uh, uh, I didn't know they were family. I was going to leave it as friend, but amen. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's cool. Hey, family. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, man? What's up, hey, man? fam. What's going on? What's the gaga? <laughs> but yes. So it is exciting that you were able to share that. But like, um, I, and my hypothesis was based on my experience dealing with men that I feel like meant and intended well. Like they decided, I want to date you. I like you as a person. And we actually entered into a relationship. And the relationship is going great and things are good. But after the initial excitement of, oh shit, I'm finally with this trans woman that I always wanted to date, they would eventually kind of, I would feel a kind of a pulling away happens. And it would almost begin to be like, they would hit me up when they wanted to have that experience, when they wanted to be with me as a person. But I but but after the initial excitement and the text flurry and the staying up all night, a lot of people have not really thought about what it is, what it would be like to, um, I guess, merge your life with someone that has may not even have a life that is similar to yours. Like you can be attracted to something physically and it not necessarily be something that will work for you in your life if you haven't, if you're not mm. ready to really make huge sacrifices or if you're not in the position to be able to just, if, if need be, walk away from people. So if you're in a situation where you're not there, I feel like I've dated men and I felt like love me as a person, but we're not there as a man to be able to fully embrace what it would mean to be with me. And so my hypothesis was kind of based in men that kind of are used to dealing with women in a transactional nature and then are getting to the place where, hey, I like these people. I like this. This is me. But they haven't yet been able to really walk through, oh, shit, now what? You know what I mean? So I... 
And and since let me let me come on to that because I'm being triggered right now. Not only are they not willing to do it, but because you are a trans woman and you quote unquote represent these things, you should just be comfortable and grateful with them and taking the. You should be grateful that somebody wants to be with you in public. Because I literally just came out of a relationship situation where that same thing. It was very um, transactional in nature, and every time I would bring up the issue or I would confront the issue, it was like the individual was hitting the brick wall. Like because in his mind, I felt I take like you places I do for you, I give you things, right? But he was not actually trying to connect with her as a human, right? Right, or just to go to go beyond to the point to really create that relationship where we're both equally sharing. It was just it like was very you're much in a relationship with someone when and you I, know nothing about their real life. Right, it's right. Like it's like I show up when I show up. We have a good time, and then about a week after, I trail off, and then I'm ghost. But then I'm just when you pop up, I'm just supposed to magically accept you with open arms because no other man is doing You said that your name was Andrew but it's life. really John. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so I, I wanna I wanna jump in I wanna jump in on that one. Um well first of all just to say that we knew his name was John. Um but uh <laughs> Um, first, I want to say to Anne, your experience with the transactional, with the guy that's jumping in and out. First of all, what I hear is not so much you as I hear him. I hear him struggling with getting past a certain point, and I hear him having issues with connecting and making a relationship. And then um, also the portion of I do this for you, I buy this for you, I take you out to dinner. What's the problem here? A lot of men communicate. Their feelings, not on an emotional level, but on a thing-based stuff, uh, qualitative level. Because a lot of men are taught from a very young age that you show emotions by the actions that you do, not by the things that you feel. So we try to interpret those feelings and emotions into physical stuff or that sort of way to try to connect to the person. Mm, And it doesn't always work because we're... Because we're speaking different languages, because the girls are crying out for their emotions to be met, and we're trying to meet your emotions with stuff, and there's a mismatch there. There's a a miscommunication of sorts, but that is not to say that these behaviors are excusable or even appropriate. It's a learning curve. So for me, before I decided that I wanted to be with a trans woman, before I decided that that was the way my life should have been, that that's the path my life should have taken, I spent years lying to myself, denying, hiding the pornography I watched, hiding what I masturbated to, hiding my sexuality, hiding and lying and burying it up. And it just grew within the inside. Sorry, I'm burping. I was drinking pop. But um, uh, during the break there, during my break. But um, uh, so so I, I lied to myself. But what I did that some guys don't do is I spent a lot of time researching. What is, and what I researched was, what is a trans person? And not just a trans woman or a trans man, but what is a trans person? What does that mean? What are these terminologies? What do they go through? What's the psychology behind it? What's the history behind it? And I don't know all the history, but I spent a long time learning. And what I see with a lot of these guys is 
they don't have the knowledge behind it. And we've talked, and Chris and I have talked about this on the show before, which is it's not the women's job to teach guys everything. You are not a teacher. You're supposed to be a partner. You're supposed to be someone that is cared for. Uh, we think that having a partner is a role of patience and a role of understanding and coming at this with understanding, but not necessarily the role of a teacher. And so a lot of these guys have a lack of knowledge, but they also have a disconnect. The only knowledge they're ever given is that transactional relationship knowledge, is that relationship of the porn. I can pause you whenever I want, and you're always there whenever I want. Plus, I see it day in and day out, and I masturbate it to it, and it's sexual. Sexual, 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 physical, sexual, sensuous, sexy. And that there's a mismatch in the mind where they... they go, okay, I'm going to take this step. I'm going to take this step to meet my desires, to go into the relationship. And they go, I want this relationship. And they go, hold on, it's not the sex that I, that, that I keep seeing over and over again, that these are not monoliths of people. They are dynamic and multifaceted and have pasts and futures and wants and desires and presence and sadnesses. And there, there's that disconnect because the guy knows that there is a person here, but the guy also has been taught that there isn't a person here simultaneously, that there is something sexual here, and then couple that in with the toxic masculinity of the emotional disconnect, and we get some sort of fissure, some sort of hole that I don't know where it comes from. And I don't think it's acceptable, but I think it needs to be tackled together with everybody. Because that's what I see, is I see a fissure somewhere in between there where they go, well, hold on, everything up until this day, this very moment, has been a transactional relationship, has been around my schedule. And it's not that I'm incapable of making it to your schedule or learning about you or knowing about you or caring about you. It's I don't know how. And that's not to say that there aren't people who are out there simply to say, nope, I just want to fuck, that's it, I don't give a shit. Of course there are bad people. But a lot of these guys come in dumb as shit. And we get comments all the time. They do. They do. Where we get comments all the time where these guys go, oh man, I want expletive, 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 dick in butt. And I'm like, well, I hear you, but that's not the way to go about it. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to immediately fail. And then when they fail that way, they go, well, why the fuck? Uh, they go, why did they fail? I tried, and they, you, you tried the wrong way. You tried, you, you, what, to put it, if, if, if I may, from a white person to a black person, to put it in this perspective, it's as if, though, I rolled up in the ghetto, and I had, like, big gold chains on, and a grill in my teeth, and a sideways cap, and I went, yo, yo, what's up? I might get myself murdered. And it's like, well, hold on, I was trying. It's like, yeah, but you did it insensitively. Got it. You did it without knowledge. You did it without knowing. Got it, got it. You did it without so. a cultural awareness to the to the way in which you should show up respectfully. Right, and it's that, right, and it's maybe, that my maybe my intention was genuine in that I wasn't trying to be offensive, but you base everything on your knowledge on something that is stereotypical and offensive. And there's that disconnect of, I didn't know any better. That's what I have seen. That's what I was learned. Uh, that's what I was told. 
and that that lack of knowledge isn't excusable, but it's it's there and it's real and it's something that, unfortunately, those of us who have the knowledge, we have to dig our hands into that grubby mess and work around it. Yes, Chris, I would love to hear your thought on this. Nobody wants to hear Chris. Nobody wants to hear Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody hates Chris. Everybody hates Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just um, uh, the, the, the kind of guys that Eric is really, you know, explaining. Um, you know, I, I'm in a, a, a Facebook group full of, you know, transamorous men. And, you know, and, and even in our own inbox, Eric knows this, you know, we... You get a lot of problematic guys that, you know, they come in and they're like, okay, this is a group, okay, this is a group to, I'm going to just share porn images, and that's what that's what we're here for. And it's like, no, we're actually here to better ourselves and learn how to treat women correctly, and we're here to teach. Like, we're not here for porn, you know, photo exchange time. We're here for, you know, to, to learn and better ourselves, and we want everybody in here to be of the same quality. But, you know, also with the people that don't have the context that get frustrated and get upset, you know, they jump in our inbox all the time. We have gotten angry guys. Well, I don't know why these women won't do this, this, and that. We're just like, dude, chill all the way the fuck out. Like, you're, there's so many things you're missing here. And it's, it is, it is really interesting because a lot of these guys are coming from, like, well, the girl that I was paying did all this stuff and now... I'm I'm here and now these girls won't give me any give me the time of day. No, well, they also don't. Or understand they're cheating me. on me, or they're doing this, and I'm just like, well, I mean, people do that. It happens as people, but like it's it's the 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 level of frustration that and anger and bitterness that builds up in a lot of guys is just it can be really toxic, and they're out there. Yeah, and they also don't understand that these women don't owe you shit. So I was gonna say, yeah, like, right. Was, Right. I'm sorry, and, Brianna, go ahead. Oh, and my and my my motto is because I m- when guys approach me, I don't need because I'm not looking for the transactional thing. I'm not looking for you to take care of me. I have my own money. I'm educated on all of that. So I have all of that covered. So because all of that is covered, when you come to me, you have to be a self actualized person, or at least like on the all path, that money, right? Right or on the path, like all of that money and you paying for this and paying, that does nothing for me because I'm interested in the state of your soul and if it matches with mine. I'm not interested. So when you come to me, you have to be somewhat of a good person or a person that's on a path to that awareness. And it's it's really sad because there are a lot of guys out there that because they're stuck in that transactional mindset. They miss out on a lot of great girls because that because a lot of times they're just not re- they're just not ready for the level of self awareness or self intimacy that 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 is needed in order for them to have a good relationship with trans women because we're we're more we're more than just the physical we are human beings with souls. So, Aon, I want to jump in real quick and ask you a personal question, which is. Um, you said you want you want your self realized and self sufficient, and you want self realized and uh, men like that. And I want to ask, how do you how do you field how do you field the men that um, that are truly interested in you, but can only communicate, or not only communicate, but they're taught best to communicate by taking care of their women. And it isn't a they're not trying to belittle you or what you have and who you are, but they're simply told that. You pay for dinner. 
you give them a ride that sort of thing you treat your woman like she's the queen sort of thing like how, how do you how do you reconcile with those guys because what i hear is you not not you saying that fuck those guys um and that sort of thing but i i it's a that's a question for these guys is i try to take care of my my woman and i try to do the best i can so how do you how do you feel that well, to me, taking care of for a woman like me encompasses a lot of different... So, if you want to help me pay my bills or do something like that, that's fine. But I also... The woman I am needs to be taken care of in different ways. I need some. I need somebody that's going to be an emotional support system when I, you know, go... When I just go through on this journey of life, I need somebody that helps make my life easier just by listening to me you know doing like so for me if somebody wants to do the regular stuff that's fine but that's that's not going to be the fullness of what's going to keep me interested oh and like, i like well, caring yeah, sorry, go sorry. ahead no i was saying i totally i totally hear you there and that's that's what i was saying earlier that uh, a lot of guys have trouble expressing their emotional feelings and putting their emotional value into emotions in that sense and then they but opt for but, stuff but but and i understand that but mm. i know and this is and i and i'm not coming in as a perfect person i'm a i would come with my own past my own traumas that you know with the grace of my spirituality and therapy that i'm able to work through and develop coping mechanisms through mm-hmm. if you want to get into a relationship it is going to require some level of emotional intelligence or um, emotional um, emotional intelligence and vulnerability for you to have this connection. So you could you could come in not knowing that, but for me, the type of relationship that I want to have, we're going to have to connect on some emotional level. Or for me, it's just not going. It's just not going to work because just the nature of who I am. If some if, if something is not right or something is on my conscience to speak about or if there's a problem, the type of woman I am, we're, we're just going to have to talk about it. Because I'm very empathic and I can feel when something is off or something is not wrong. And if you're not the type of partner that is willing to open up and have those tough conversations when they need to be had, for me, that's not going to be the best relationship for me to be in. So... It, so if if you want to be with somebody like me, you have to at least be willing to um, evolve in your emotional um, awareness. So and, and everybody everybody is different. Everybody is not going to be the same. But if we're going to be in a relationship t- together, we should at least be a. We, I would want somebody to feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable vulnerable with me if they are want to, you know, be in a life with me. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a once again it's a knowledge learning open to communication and hearing what you have to what you have to say and how you feel and that sort of thing. So the guy has to. So what you're saying is that it's not a deal breaker if the guy comes in and and doesn't have the emotional knowledge to communicate yet, but as long as he is receptive to what you're telling him and perhaps gains that language, gains that knowledge through experience that that's what you appreciate yeah it's not because everybody everybody is on different timelines and every like i'm not going to be perfect when i come to a situation that per like we should be challenging each other to be better like with my last situation i broke up with him three times because i i just didn't want to be the because 
being a trans woman and dating, I know in a lot of ways, because women by nature are wired to do self-work and be intuitive and all of that, in some ways we have advantages over men in general when it comes to being aware of our emotions and i'm a, i'm aware i'm aware with that but then it gets to a certain point when you're when you're showing a pattern of being resistant where it's just like well clearly this is not important to you so i have to make this decision that's best for me but i'm definitely willing to um you know work not work with them like trying to fix it because it's not my job to fix you um but i i understand that people you know people are forming and people are evolving and people are human and i'm definitely understanding of that mm-hmm. um but it, it gets it gets to a point where if something is not working for you that you have to make the best decision for your peace and your sanity yeah and i wasn't trying That's to single I wasn't trying to single you out per se. It was just that I heard a I heard a learning and a story in there that we can really speak to all of our community through how you view things and how I'm coming at it. So I, that that's why I asked about you know your personal experience. Speaking of mm-hmm. stories, uh oh, uh oh. Now you know I come you know I come here to shake shit up now. Now, now I don't know. Now see. We've been talking and we've been in, we've been very emo. We've been in our feel box and that's wonderful. But I know that there are women on this podcast that do want to talk about the elephant in the room. And so What's the, the elephant, elephant? Well, it, it, well, for some girls, it's an elephant. For some people, it might be just a little nugget. But oh, that is, <laughs> oh, that, is, ooh, that, is that is shady as shit right there. <laughs> My question for you, gentlemen, is. How did you get to the place in your life where you could say, I like my women with that, um, with a penis. And with penis. With penis. Yes. And how did I, and, and once you finally got to that place, um, how did that make you feel? And did you have any anxiety around it? And what is it like now in dating women because uh, and the and reason why I, this let me give you the intention behind this question so in our community we are definitely very divided on whether or not um, um, a real woman has a penis or not or whether or not she wants to have a surgery and we know that there are a lot of mm. us that are non-op and there are a lot of men that love us and so the question is is I would like for you as men to be able to speak your truth tell your experience about how you came to be liking us but then also like how do you feel about the the judgment you can get even from girls about liking women with penises? See, I told you I come in here real shaking shit up, you know. Yeah. No, no, I'm. I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna leave this one off, man. Do it. Uh, do it. I've had uh, quite a journey. Um, so when I first started uh, dating trans women, I was very, very nervous. Only because I knew what that entailed um, when it came to being a black man in America and being attracted to trans women. You know, the uh, the black community is very homophobic in large, mostly due to the influence of the black church. And, you know, that's a whole other thing. So, Preach, and I'm, pastor. I'm from a very religious family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I grew up three days a week in church, so... 
very, very heavy Christian influence and, and with my family and all that. So I was always nervous about how people would receive, receiving it and taking it and all that stuff. But, um, you know, uh, eventually I, I, I felt it was best for my mental health to start having conversations with people. And so, you know, I, I started off by talking to my sisters and telling my sisters, um, one of which, you know, she started off very negative and then turned positive and offered to, to carry if I ever needed, if me and whoever I was with needed somebody to carry. Um, then I started talking to my best friends and my frat brothers and, uh, you know, cousins. And it's really like in my, in my circle that's around me right now, everybody's in the loop. It's, um, I'm sorry. And that's my sister calling me. <laughs> um, everybody's in the loop and all my that's acquaintances, funny. Your sister I really was like, don't, keep my name I really don't mouth. care. My spirit told me. She, she knows. <laughs> she knows. So I, I would say at the beginning, I was very uh, uh, worried and the fear was hanging over me, but I haven't had any body who I knew loved me that was close to me reject me. Um, some people have a little bit of ways to go in their understanding and we're having ongoing conversations. Um, but, you know, I, I, it, it has been a journey and it's, I mean, it's from the first conversation I had, it's been probably about, I said like six years now that I've been talking with people and letting them know what, what I'm into and what's going on and you know, I send them pictures of some of the girls I'm talking to. I'm like, wow, I would have never guessed. Like, because in their minds, and in, in a lot of the minds of people um, in black communities, especially a lot of black women, it's like, oh, no, those are just men and this, this, and that. And they want to really dismiss the existence of trans women um, quite often. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm in a way better place right now, mental health wise. And I mean, mostly due to just getting it off my chest and instead of having that weight on me. All day. Sorry, I'll toss it over to my. my yeah, yeah, Eric. yeah. No, I, I, you know, what I love about hearing Chris's story is that Chris's story is so much more external as opposed to my internal, um, and it's it's so foreign to me that that Chris would talk about this or try to bounce it off other people. Where I spent years inside of my own head. Um, in years not talking to a single soul, um, I, spent, I spent, yeah, um, yeah, um, I spent years just, I spent bouncing, years just around bouncing around in my own already head, already deciding how people would feel about me, already deciding how I would feel about this and that, and in the meantime, just furiously masturbating to porn all the time. How um, furious! I'm just like so, so <laughs> furious to the point to the the fast and the furious. The fast and the furious. I'm talking to the point where I would get like fucking burns on my dick. Um, like I'm just oh yeah, but um, and you know, I say that jokingly, but I also say it out of out of the truth of everything that I did was private and internal, and it was it was to be hidden in not shown to anybody because I was ashamed because what did that mean? What did that say about me? And I was so concerned about what did that say about me as a person? Would I be a disappointment to my parents? Would I be a disappointment to my friends? Would I be considered as less than, as a freak, as different? 
Is this something that needs to be uh, hidden away? Is this something that needs to be lied about? And I just pretended that it never even was for years. And because I pretended that it never even was for years, it sat down there. Of course, I pretended it wasn't for years during daylight hours, but at night I just masturbated myself into shame um, and disappointment. And um, because I couldn't, couldn't control that sexual that sexual of side of me, especially really fast, into my sexuality. Really fast, but yep. isn't the aren't yep. the best orgasms the shame ones? Let's just put that out there. <laughs> I, see, I actually, I actually beg to differ. Uh, I think the best orgasms are the one where you go, oh yeah. Um, afterwards, where you're just like, that was everything that it should have oh, yeah, been. Yeah, because yeah, when I true. masturbate, and when I orgasm, and I go, what the fuck did I just do? I have to like go take a bath. Um, afterwards, but um, gotta make bubbles and put my rubber duckies in there, and I'm just like, I'm a dirty boy. But anyway, um, but especially because mine was just around the time of my coming into my own sexuality, and that I was a teenager at the time, and you know, still fielding that. Um, so, so I, I just pretended that it wasn't a thing for a really long time internally and all the time it was eating up my insides the fire grew so to speak um, my relationship with the one cis girl that I'd ever dated was completely crumbling at the scenes because of it because I was lying and not being truthful and not speaking my truth um, and I finally decided to speak my truth and it ended that relationship and that was my first relationship and that relationship went on for four years and I was devastated by that ending and I knew right then I was certain that everything if I had come out with this it will destroy everything that I've ever built and everybody that I've ever known will leave me but I also had that peace in me that said it doesn't matter if people leave this is who you are and this is your truth and you have to you have to push forward you have to continue down this line. Um, so that leads me into my first relationship with a trans woman. And when we first had sex, um, to answer the question of how did I find out that I prefer women with penises, it's, it was the sex was so much more easy for me easy so for me more so much more enjoyable so how so because so I, I know i'm hearing people i'm i'm, I'm sure if when this gets aired they're people gonna lean forward and go now wait a minute how is it easier and because so much it, more because enjoyable i felt i felt i felt more at ease i felt more comfortable i felt more adequate in what I had to offer in my sexuality in my being able to pleasure my partner at the time and it's funny to say that because like everybody my first blowjobs were awful nothing but teeth all the time um, like it's a good thing I didn't have braces but um and it's not because I wasn't trying it's because oh wait you just but, thank you for um, you know what for the first part of that I thought you no, meant receive. No, I was biting. Until you let me know that you're a professional down. yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am just biting down. But no, that was, that's the first time I'd ever sucked anybody's dick. And so I didn't know what I was doing. Did you and it was awkward. And probably, oh, absolutely. But that's the, that's the thing. is that, that spark inside of you that tells you that this is more right than it was in the past for me. That, that it, it, it 
it flowed a lot better for me. There is no one specific moment. I can't say, I can't definitively say my, you know, I'm not the Grinch. My dick didn't grow three sizes that night. Um, I wish, but, um, but uh, it was, you know, I think, I think that was the first time that I had had sex with a person, reached orgasm, and then as we laid there together, it was that moment of, hey, do you want to go again? sort of thing where with my cisgender girlfriend it was we had sex and I'm like alright I'm done I'm like can we just not do that anymore sort of deal like so there was there's there's a to me a lot of it is so for, for me personally the penis is one I find more attractive but two I am simply more sexually compatible with though with that genitalia than I am with the vagina I just I just perform better in that sense, plus, um, the booties are my thing. So like, I'm all about getting up in that ass. Um, but, uh, oh my! Well, no, thank you for sharing. This is uh, this vulnerability is exactly why we do box number five to our podcast. It is. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, you know, and like I said, that is. That's why I love hearing Chris's story, and then I love contrasting it with my own because our stories, Chris and I. We're best friends. We talk all the time. I mean, Chris and I hang out. We play games. You know, he's he's my bro. But our our personalities, our experiences are are night and day, and I, I just love that kind. I do too, Chris. Speaking of night and day, um, in your answer, you never really specifically said what you prefer. I know that um, um, Eric was very gracious enough to give us that really insider baseball. You don't necessarily have to go that deeply if you don't feel it, but what is... Yeah. No, this is actually something I recently mm-hmm. had Unpack to um, come to a realization about. <laughs> um, because I think I was really trying to sit on the fence with this and really not offend anybody in the community, but... Um, Say it with your chest, baby. I really just have to own that I... Yeah, I just really have to own that I, I do prefer women um, with penises and... Uh, that is not to say that, you know, women that have had surgery are any less sexy or anything like that. Um, it's, it's just um, what I prefer in a partner. And at this point, that's what I do prefer. That may change at some point. Who knows? But, yeah, I do prefer okay. Okay. Uh, my woman. Now, let me. Oh, he's, um, he's, he said it. My boy has grown. Oh, yeah. my God. Now, so so we want to honor that moment. my first relationship. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. My son's become a man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and, and, and you know, something, and, and that's a, a part of the learning process in dating trans women is, you know, well, I mean, my first relationship, I just didn't know what I wanted. And then once I experienced her, I'm like, okay, well, I think I like things like this a little bit more. And I, I really wasn't prepared. And, you know, now. There's a lot more that I, I know I want out of a relationship and out of my partner, but uh, yes, yeah, specifically, yes, I would prefer that she has penis, but I am not a size queen le- or king. Well, let me all. say this. Well, that now this is something we have to. <laughs> I just prefer it works. Now, That's it. you know the empath in me just heard a thousand post ops go. Wait a minute. And so, and it's not to be shady. I'm sorry, y'all. But I would love to know. What do you what what would you say to someone that has had this 
this, this dysphoria, and they went through their life to go through a process, evolved, and then went and had procedures done, only to then be on the other side of it and to hear transamorous men, the few men that actually will date us openly, that will marry us, that will, that are looking for relationships. What, what, and Sam, yes, what do you say to those men, those women who've gone through this process and are no longer desired? Ew, vagina, no. Ew, vagina, no. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know, right? I'm just, I'm, I, I can hear it. I'm like, they're, they're getting their knives out Wow, this already. is a collaborative um. effort. Those are not the um, opinions of Box Number 512 Podcast. <laughs> I, I see you saw the bus and you pushed us right in front yes. of it and you're just like yep. whoop and then I drove back over you just now go ahead just to make sure just yeah. to make sure yeah um, well Eric, you know, well, Eric you know doesn't prefer vagina and I'm a little bit more amenable to it but um, I, I would I mean look I, I, and I, while I have my preference I don't think that rules everybody else mm. out I just, you know, know what I would I would choose over one over another option, but you know, who you love is who you love, and if I found a girl attractive, what's between her legs isn't gonna stop me from, you know, not pursuing that. Okay, so now what did you say to those so post ops though? That's the question. Uh, just, just that that they're in my mind they're not completely counted out, but um, I mean they're just there are guys out here who do like women with penises and. You're gonna have to find guys that are okay with, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess vagina, um, which I'm all right with. It's just um, I really I don't have anything to say to really soothe them because, you know, I, I the, it's it's the script that you see on all the videos on YouTube from post-op women. They all talk about how their dating pool drastically shrinks once they get the surgery. And, I can't help that. <laughs> well, see, I, I have I have something to say, which is, for me personally, there is no immutable law, which is to say that it is not all or nothing. Yes, I get on my podcast, I get on this show, you know, I talk about my preference for penis over vagina. I make the jokes that, no, I don't like vagina, but love is not a genital. Love is a lot more than that. Um, so for my fiance, if she had dysphoria, now I, I joke with her sometimes that, um, and with all my jokes, there is nuance. There's a, there's a, there's a kernel of truth, but I joke with her that I love her dearly, but it was her penis that got me in the door. Um, so, you know, I wanted to date a trans woman and she has a dick and I'm all about it, but. But if she, came to, if she came to me and she said, you love, me, right? you love me, right? And I said, of course, absolutely. You know, you, you are the person I've chosen to be with. And she says, I have great dysphoria. I need to, to, to have SRS. Then, babe, that's your body. That's your life. I'm here for you. I'm not here for your genitals, you know. So there is no immutable law there. And for the post-op women out there who say these men don't want to date us, 
That's true. That's true. There are men that will say, there are men that will say, I do not want to date you. But that doesn't mean don't live in your truth. Live in your truth because that's where the beauty comes from. And you never were getting the surgery for men anyway, supposedly. Right. You got it for yourself. And continue to live in your truth and in your power and enjoy that sexiness. It's the same way where if a straight cisgendered girl said, well, these gay boys will never love me. No, they won't. And that's life, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't continue to. It doesn't mean you don't continue to live in your truth. And that's what I would say to them is, embrace your body for who it is. You will find somebody. You don't want somebody who doesn't want to embrace that body with you anyway. I might not be the match for it. Another guy might not be the match for it. But I guarantee that there is somebody that is the I just I hear the spirit and then, and I and I thank you guys for your honesty because that is really I, I think a, an interesting point of view that it shouldn't be on any one person because it's only and this is something that I, I've observed it is only the men that like us that are forced to explain why mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's an interesting point and, 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 and so I thank you for just saying it is what it is because that's exactly at the end of the day it is what it is and I feel like the idea, the notion that there needs to be an explanation is to assuage everyone else who feels like this isn't real and this is a fetish and why do you like that? You wouldn't ask a, a man, why do you why do you like women who if he married his wife? You, a, a, a cis man mm-hmm. that's married to a cis woman. You would never ask a gay man, well, why do you like gay men? You, it's only this community because they have, because people want to put their own, imbue their own sense of doubt and their own sense of denial about us being a viable choice. And so thank you guys for just being honest. Now, my question. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, sorry, Bree. Well, I just want to be mindful we're pushing the two That's hour mark. So. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, my <laughs> point was, was <laughs> as we were approaching the two hour mark, I wanted to give y'all an opportunity to ask us one final question. And I know Brianna and I probably would like to just ourselves give you one thing before we close. Um, well, but what question, what do you, what, you have us on the line. What, what question do you have of us, you know, before we head out? Yeah, I've got one. Yeah, I've got one. Chris, do you have one? Okay, go for it. Well, I mean, this is just an all of our, all of our trans film, trans women guests that we have on the show. We all, we give them all an opportunity to really speak to the men because our show was geared to the men. So I mean, if there's one thing that you can, that you want all the trans amorous men out there to know, like, what is that one thing? What would you say to, like, would you say to the masses? What's their one takeaway they should have from this? Okay. So okay. So this is Aon. I think I think the one thing. I think the one. Thing, I think the one thing I want to um, leave this conversation with, and hopefully this is not the last conversation that we have together, because there's a lot more things we could talk about. But um, the, we, the, we, are we, we are here, there are so many um, trans women here that um, are ready to date, ready to be in love, have their lives together, but fellas, y'all have got to step up to the plate and you have got to come correct. We, we are not 
the same. We are not the same trans woman from the 2000s, from the 90s, from the 80s. We are, we are, we are here. We are working alongside you. We are here in society um, with you, living openly, living visibly. So you can't approach us and you can't engage us in the same ways that um, you make that were acceptable in the past. If you want a partner, because this is something I hear a lot from trans amorous men. I'm look like you're looking for a wife, but are you husband material? Like it's one. Come on, one. Are you husband? <laughs> are you are you husband? Are you really? And I'm not talking about. Uh, a Barbie doll or a placeholder wife, are you really ready to have a real um, dynamic three-dimensional woman in your life? And are you ready to support her and pour into her as she, as she would into you? So I really want to leave the men off with, if you, if you are looking for a wife, you have to come with husband energy. And if she asks you to do something, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be a challenge or a burden. You should want to um, come with a, your best foot forward because it's a new day. I know so many. This the whole narrative of we are all. And and this is not to say that trans women are not still in sex work or you know that that industry is completely gone away. It's still there, but it's a lot of trans qualified trans women that are right under y'all nose that y'all look over every day because she is not this Instagram image or she's not doing this and she's not doing that. So I just want to leave you off with, especially tying it back to our conversation. We need equitable partners. We need equitable men in our lives. If we're bringing you into our lives, you have to do the same for us. Even if it is a risk. Even if it is a risk, you have to be vulnerable and take the risk and really ask yourself, are you the spouse that you that you're looking for? Because the shade is a lot of y'all aren't there yet. You can get there, but if I think it really takes a lot of hard truth telling and it takes a lot of work. Um, so I just, I just want to leave off of that. Are are you husband material? Um, thank you, Brianna. That's well very said. well said. Thank you, sis. Yeah. Um, so I would like to actually say and acknowledge that we have come a long way in having the conversations with the men and having men that are willing to walk with us. But I would like to advise the men to, uh, to remember that you were dealing with an individual that was an entirely fully formed human being with all kinds of issues and things that they exist that existed in their life before you. You are not dating a genital. You are not dating a part of a person. You are dating their, their family, their chosen family, their children, their drag family. You are getting to know an entire human being. And I think a lot of times men will enter into the lives of trans women not really understanding that our lives are non-traditional. It's not just the sex that is non-traditional. And I think we need to have a greater, or men need to seek to educate themselves because we are going through a process, a transition, but you are as well. And I don't think that that part of engaging with us is really, really handled with the grace that it should. 
The men in our lives need to seek counseling for the issues that they have around their own sexuality. And say, that say that again. Say that again, sis. Say it again. The men engage with us need to seek their own counseling. And we are not counseling. And we are not counseling. We are not what, your counselors. Around the issues that they are facing internally. Because I paid the cost to be this boss and I've lost everything. And I have had to claw myself from the depths of, of from the depth of hell to be this confident woman before you. And it's not that I'm being callous because I don't want to take the time to help you walk through Trans 101. It is because I have gone through too much to be this person, to stop what I am doing, to help you get the very beginnings of what, I, what it might mean to be to date me. Because what that actually does is it forces me now to validate to you why I'm worth being in your life. And that is not our responsibility. You are responsible for your own process, just like we are with ours. I also want to say that in getting to know trans women and in engaging with us as community, you come with your own systems of oppression and biases that affect how you see yourself, but that also affects how you see women. And sometimes men will come to our community with a heightened sense of misogyny because they have an insecurity that they're trying to um, mask. They, are, may, they may okay. also come with a heightened, I guess, a femdophobia. A lot of men okay. that will, a lot okay. of men will come into our community and engage with us. Be, and, and it is on the backs of very unsuccessful, unhealthy relationships with cis women. And they come with a loathing for femininity in women. And so then now, I'm not your ex-wife, but you have this perspective of women that, 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 that affects the way you see women in general. And somehow, men will date us, but not see us as those same women that they're talking shit about. I am a, I am a woman too. And so then, you have to remember when you're engaging with us as human beings, that your reactions and your responses to women are important to us too. The way you care about women's issues are important to us too. You can't say cis women are this and da 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 and talk shit about women and not think that that is going to affect how we see you and how that affects us. You can't even, it is, and I think sometimes men think that they're giving us a compliment when they say, oh, I don't really like cis women, I don't like women, I like y'all, or I think y'all are way, way better. I think that narrative of better is the problem because you're still using your misogynistic male lens to dissect women into features and characteristics that, that you like. And so we ask that you see us as whole beings and whole women and give us all the rights there to ascertain. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Um, that's, that's, that's hitting it. That's hitting it hard. I love it. Um, and uh, what, I, what I heard partly there was, uh, guys, you got to hit the ground running. You got to hit the ground running with this, this stuff. Don't expect to be coddled up into the whoever you're dating don't don't expect to be brought up to their speed you got to hit the ground running and try to meet up with them i hear you women saying that honey if you fall we'll help you back up but i need to see that you're running to catch up to me i hear that so i mean i i had a question but fuck my question um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna scrub that because my question was dumb so um no there are no dumb questions Questions, but they, but if you don't want to answer, that's fine. And my question just simply was, how was this experience for you, and what do you hope to, 
What do you hope this does for y'all going forward? God, I feel beaten. That's what I feel like. I just got my ass kicked. Uh, I'm so tired. No, um, I loved I talking to you ladies. Uh, for me personally, um, I I love the, the, the thought that you bring behind this, the dynamic that you bring behind this. And, you know, it, it really... I, I not only hear your podcast goal, which is black trans women, black trans women black trans and the black trans community, because I hear a lot of it in there, and I hear a lot of those stories, and I've learned a lot of that just from talking to Chris and stuff like that, that I'm more aware than I ever was before, um, but I also but I also, I also hear... You know, I also hear the the two women that we're talking to and their experiences and their thoughts, and that you guys have really sat with this and dissected and really come to some truths that really ring true for you and for everybody in the community. But I I I don't know. It was it was enlightening and fun and enjoyable, and I I loved speaking with you guys. And I did too. This was exciting. <laughs> now, this, now, this is a this is a great conversation, and like I said, I hope um, we can get more of this in the future because it's needed. Because we don't exist in a vacuum. We are we are all living in the same world. We are all impacted by the same systems, though we have different perspectives. I think if we like because because there is no social space for us to come together, and nobody is really having these conversations. It is our responsibility to create what and shape what that looks like for us, especially amongst each other, because a lot of times we're just having these conversations independently online, not really ever sharing space or time with each other to really um, get to know each other outside of those like detached areas. So we, you know, we have to do more of this um, if we're going to grow. Um, individually but also collectively as a community of people absolutely and i thank y'all for uh giving us space Aww. on your show uh to, to share our ideas and, of course and that definitely what i look for this to do for our podcast is really to help us uh become a part of the conversation you know and just help all of us come together because that's what we you know that's what we really need and that's why i'm so keen on collabing with with y'all, but I already knew what I was gonna get out of this conversation. I was, I mean, I was just hearing the same deep conversations that you guys always present Aww. on your show. So, and and whatever Brianna jumps on our Instagram live, <laughs> she's, she's always there. We're like, real. oh shit, like, she's here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Turn it off. Said, oh, Turn it man, off. What did I say now, Brianna? I love that no, about no, no. myself. <laughs> very, very available online, particularly during this time. Y'all take this as a privilege. She is. Oh, a, yeah. She's usually very, very non-communicative because she's very busy in her regular life. So this is giving us a real opportunity uh-huh. to be expand. So be excited that y'all are getting Aeon's point of view. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, it also like I say on the thing. I don't like if I, I'm not here to shoot down a perspective or something. But if I see if there's room for growth, I definitely feel like a conversation is needed to really push back and challenge you to see why you feel that way and to just give you a different perspective that you weren't even considering. Yeah, but it hurts my feelings. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's not supposed to feel good all the time. But, and wait, that, wait, that's wait, part of the know, process. It doesn't know, feel... Sometimes it's good when it hurts. It's all love. 
I, I was told with the proper amount of lube, it feels good all the time. Oh, no. This is a great show, y'all. Thank you so much. So, um, can we do, I would like to, before we leave, um, Brianna, did you want to do our drop really fast, or did you want me to do it? Um, What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Yeah. To promote, yes, absolutely. Please take so, the space. So, so you, so um, thank you guys for listening to the collaboration. Um, once again, this is Aeon and the Lioness from Box Number Five's whole podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. Um, you can catch us every. Our episodes come out every Friday. Also on Fridays, make sure you're following us on our Facebook um, page where we do Grown Black Trans Women Talk Live, where you will see the lioness and myself um, recap the latest episode and talk about whatever topics we're going to talk to that day. So, um, we are on, we are on um, all podcasting platforms and YouTube. So make sure you go um, comment, rate, subscribe, um, tell a friend about our show, and see. You guys next week love y'all absolutely thank you ladies and if uh let's uh i guess we'll do ours so chris um let's see what are we on i think we're on itunes and google and we're on the spotify the spotify you can find us on facebook twitter instagram where we do our live videos and chris if i am not mistaken on itunes you should definitely go review and leave Four stars? Please give us five stars. I, I, but I thought it was four. Four stars? You are. Go shoot for five. Oh, no, Y'all shoot for oh, five. <laughs> you wait. You some right. Five stars. Don't yeah. be a four star guy. Don't, don't be a John. Oh, that's don't, right. Don't be. You don't a want to be John. Guy. Oh my god. You know, I read a pamphlet about that once, and uh, <laughs> I just uh, it, it always escapes me. One, be a five star guy. One of these days. <laughs> yeah. So leave us uh, leave us five star. On that, guys, you can always reach out to us. Uh, you can also send us an email at transdocument at gmail.com. So, also go follow these wonderful ladies at uh, box number 512 podcast. Do that. Um, and I've got nothing else to say. Chris, you got anything else to say? Okay, well, then, guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I have been Eric. Chris. With. I'm Aeon. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you all later. Bye. Bye.